Hello, friends of Soul Kitchen. Thank you for listening to my podcast. My name is Jasper Mutsaerts. I'm an entrepreneur, adventurer, coach, and wisdom seeker. With Soul Kitchen, I interview people that inspire me. From TED speakers to social entrepreneurs, from activists to artists, from dreamers to seekers, from business people to spiritual teachers. With Soul Kitchen, I empower people to live their quest. And each episode contains a recipe for life. What is your quest? Hello, friends of Soul Kitchen. Thank you for listening to this new episode with my dear friend, Shors Boulars. Hey, Jasper. Hey, Shors, good to see you, man. I uh, keep on bumping into Shors uh, in life. I think we met 10 years ago while we were working for Ethiopian coffee startup, Moyi Coffee. We're doing a marketing campaign together. Then a friendship emerged. We found out that we have some things in common, like we have been strategy consultants in the past. We have adventurous spirits. We've been part of the same student union, and we had this desire to follow our own path. So we became friends. We traveled to Portugal, to the Web Summit, and to Spain. And um, at some point, we lost touch a little bit. And then I saw you on Facebook sharing uh, posts about Tantra and meditation and breathwork, and they intrigued me. And then I started joining uh, sessions of uh, Shore. So he really introduced me to the to the tantric path. And for and, for a little while, you were for sure our most enthusiastic uh, participant and ambassador, Jasper. Ah, uh, during the, during the Corona days, uh, you were uh, the most frequent visitor. I uh, I I can I can think. It's that's that's true. I um when I when I get fanatic about something, I get really really excited. But yes. I'm, um, yeah, I'm happy to talk to you uh, today. I mean, we can start with the question like, what's alive in you right now? Yeah, good question. Where did you learn it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. I actually don't know where you learned. Maybe you picked it up somewhere else because it's not exclusive. So I learned um, this. Question. I learned this question actually from you and from Tantra that it's actually really important to yeah, be aware of what's alive in you right now instead of like the past and the future. So yeah, I'm curious, what's alive in you right now? Um, yeah, I'm sitting here quite bubbly. A um, bit of tension in my head. I'm transitioning from a session I just gave, which was here in real life now contact via the screen so i feel my eyes are a bit squinting um and adjusting to oh yeah we're really here it's not like i'm not watching a movie i'm here sitting with you um opening up to this conversation yeah making saying that i relax a little bit more like hey we're also just two friends sharing about life and that's i feel some warmth in my heart when i say that mm. and yeah you mentioned we are we've had different relationships right because we've been friends uh, but at some point you also became my teacher in the tantra retreats uh, so to say i also became a customer in that sense so how do you look at the different relationships we've we've had yeah that's it's, it's... It's a sensitive topic, actually, because 
Um, in a way, I like to keep these things a little bit separate. Um, I think for as a participant for a retreat, um, there is value in having the full space to show yourself with all beautiful and ugly sides and let go of past uh, structures and past um, uh, th- ways of doing things and stepping into something new and and then um, having a friendship also with the staff uh, can keep you a little bit in the old maybe you know it from or if I speak from my own experience if I meet old friends from uh, back in the days and I develop some new sides of myself that can feel a little bit awkward like okay now I'm all of, all of a sudden wearing different clothes I'm talking with different words different language I have different interests that can be a little bit like ooh, am I really um, ready to show up with that and um, that also can happen when yeah in, in that in a way might have influenced uh us as well um, and i think think we did it quite elegantly like really saying okay for this week you're really a participant there's no loyal like you can let go of the friendship for a week and uh, for me too i try to approach you as a participant and uh, after then we can see how the friendship evolves and but that's the that's the that's the surprising thing, or like at least the joyful thing. We keep coming back apparently. So happy with that. No, I'm happy also with how that worked out. And sometimes, maybe you meet people for a reason, and relationships uh, de- develop in different directions. And how is that for you as a tantra teacher and entrepreneur? Because the people that you work with in your retreats or in your coaching sessions. You also probably develop like informal or personal relationships with them because it's a very personal field. So how do you hold that space where where personal stuff and maybe business is so connected? Um, so I try to keep them separate as much as possible, and um, I also seeing um, in the first period of Tara Academy and my, my work as a therapist and a tantra facilitator, there was a bit more, I don't know, started from my own inner circle. So I started to invite friends. And so it was quite logical that it were a bit more friends in the beginning. Nowadays, it's uh, much less, almost none. So all my therapy clients are, I don't know, people that have that I don't have a relationship uh, an historic relationship with um, and actually I like that because I also had to learn the hard way that in one specific case I uh, uh, somebody I knew from a business context and a friendship context started to doing uh, also started to do therapy with me and that became a bit messy and uh, because these fields they started to intermingle and there I learned like this is um, not contributing to the safety of the therapy. And um, so over the years, I've been, I become more strict with it, actually. Also say no to friends if they want to come. Um, yeah. I understand. So you try to uh, separate it as much as, uh, as possible. And um, maybe let's take a step back, because now you're a Tantra teacher, uh, you're starting to become more uh, known in the field 
and more uh, established. But how did you enter this uh, path initially? And of course, you you shared the story with me before, but I'm really, uh, I think for the listeners, it's an interesting story. Like how did you move from philosophy to strategy consultant to startups to Tentra? Tell us more. Yeah, I think underneath all these these phases and directions, there's the same longing, like the longing for life and a longing to live life fully. And um, sort of the, the drama of my constitution is that I, at the same time, have a very sensitive and maybe even sensual soul that wants to drink it all in. Um, but also at... Uh, a certain age i started to shut my body down more and more and more because i don't know it was also difficult to feel and scary to feel and um, much safer to just think with the head about what you um, think of certain things so in my youth over the years i started to shut down the body more and more so then that caught me a bit in um, in attention so at the same time i wanted to approach life directly but i couldn't really feel it um and i needed more bigger and bigger and bigger um how do you say that inputs to feel alive so i don't know at a certain moment i saw myself going downhill on a skateboard well i'm not the best skateboarder just to feel the rush of being alive or i went windsurfing and kite surfing on the ocean with like too much wind and sailing across oceans just to feel the thrill of aliveness and um, also in business to to like take big risks and go go all in and work my ass off just to feel the rush of maybe success will come and um, so this I was drawn to this intensity but I also felt like it doesn't really stick it doesn't really fulfill me and uh, I started to get more and more unrestful actually and that's where meditation and um, yoga came into my life and later also tantra because i realized like hey wait a second i have to learn how to feel i have to learn how to let it into my body otherwise i can keep upping the input but if nothing sticks then i still will feel empty um, so that's a why uh, from which longing tantra came uh, came into my life and was it a slow process or was there one specific point, like a breakdown moment when you really entered this path? <laughs> uh, it came very gradual and then all of a sudden it <laughs> took fire. So, um, yeah, I will, I, first, maybe a little bit of a background. I was uh, um, starting a fruits company some frozen mangoes on a stick um, a healthy variant on uh, on ice cream and on paper it was all doing i was doing very fine and the business sort of uh, came from the ground and we were on festivals and my i don't know friends and girlfriends they were there selling the ice creams and pineapple bikinis and it looked all beautiful on instagram but from inside i felt like nah nah and uh then a burnout came and then I uh, uh, had to learn how to feel more and meditation helped a lot. But I also realized meditation helps me when I'm on the pillow 
when I'm sitting in meditation, I feel very clear, very centered. But when I went into, I don't know, aesthetic dance or a party and I met a woman I liked, whoop, all of a sudden I was back in my old defense mechanisms. So I figured out like meditation is not going to do it for me. That's, that's too gentle a process. Um, and something has to be healed in the contact with me and other people, but especially in women. Um, because back then I did have sexual contact, but it wasn't so fulfilling. Also, it was like quick peek and then sort of, okay, now it's done. And it wasn't really satisfying me. Uh, so for a few years, I heard about Tantra and I had all these wild ideas about it. Okay, that's where people have orgies and everybody makes love with everybody. And somewhere in the back of my head, if I'm really honest, that attracted me. I thought, oh, that must be amazing to <laughs> be able to experience that all and have that abundance and freedom and all people that want to make, make out with each other. Um, so I was a little bit curious towards it and I started to exploring some workshops. And that was great to have that sexual freedom. But I also felt like, yeah, wait a second. This is not really spiritual practice. This feeds into my hedonistic uh, sides of myself, that side that just wants to have pleasure. And um, so I missed some depth in that field. Um, and um, then I bumped into a teacher from the Center for Tantra. It's an institute in Amsterdam. And there I feel like, yes, here I feel depth and here I feel solidity and a proper basis. Um, so I did their introduction week and then it caught fire. Like I came back from that retreat and I realized this is what I want. And this is not something I want just for the weekend or like uh, once a few a couple of times a year. This is what I want as a basis of life. This truthfulness in relating, this truthfulness in every moment, um, the sensuality that also has, has its place there. Um, that was my antidote for the dry, uh, from the chin down, locked off consultants that I, um, uh, I had become. So then it, uh, things evolved pretty rapidly. I did the introduction week and uh, started their year training. And then uh, I thought, okay, in these retreats, I learned many, many cool things. Many of my friends would love it, but would love it. But not many friends are as crazy enough to go to these kind of retreats because there were all likes of superstitions. Like, yeah, I come there with my girlfriend and then, you know, it gets one big mess. And, uh, um, so then I thought, how cool would it be to make an an app, um, an, an accessible way for people to get to know Tantra, uh, but in a safe way that they can practice from their own bedroom. Um, so that's where it then started. First, Tara um, was an app. And uh, I don't know if you know the app Headspace. That's a meditation app. I know the app. I uh, use it for a while and I'm, I'm quite uh, competitive so that... They have a gamification element where you can have a streak of meditations. Boom. So that worked for me uh, for a while until I found some other meditation. But uh, go ahead about it. Yeah. But that that's exactly yeah. what I think Ahaspace does well, to, to use modern techniques to 
get people to meditate and to yes, to slowly build it up. So we thought, how cool would it be to make something like that for Tantra? Um, and that's what we started developing and we started the company. And um, But I also realized at a certain moment, wait, no, uh, this is not something I want to produce in a digital way. This is something I would like to uh, experience in real life more. So um, we stopped developing the app and we focused more on real life workshops. Because um, you mentioned um, the truthfulness, that's what you really uh, wanted as a basis for life. And during the Tantra exercises and retreats, I've also experienced this truthfulness where you really learn to communicate your truth without being scared for the outcome or the response of the other yeah, if, if, you, if you're scared to bring that into the field to express it yeah no, that's a good point to even bring in like hey i'm scared to say this but i feel i feel this but how would you explain that truthfulness as a part of a tantra because for me it's always difficult to explain to other people how that works and also is it possible to explain or is it only possible when you experience it well the truth yeah, the truthfulness that you experience in Tantra, do you feel that's something that you can explain in a podcast or does it need to be experienced? Mm. That's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful question, actually. What is the role of truth in Tantra? Um, first of all, I don't think truth is something that is, or the seeking of truth is something that is exclusive to Tantra. I think in many spiritual practices and, and, and traditions that's a very central central line or orientation um, I what I like about Tantra is that it's quite radical in its truth seeking so what I encountered a lot in the more new agey spiritual yoga scenes um, and also the new agey Tantra scenes that there is a big emphasis on the shiny side uh, of life so trying to attract beautiful things and beautiful lovers and a lot of money and i don't know what what else you want to mani manifest and let's focus on that and if we just make positive affirmations all day then life will be an endless stream of joy and pleasure um, that for, in my experience that got me uh somewhere like it's very nice and especially for people who are very um, under the influence of negative self-thought and very like more in a depressed state of being they can be super helped by positive affirmations and to get them out of the minus into the sort of the positive uh, area of the skill but the problem is it still makes you dependent you're still dependent on positive affirmations or on uh, things going well and for me that's not freedom that's, that that still sounds like dependency to me and in the path of tantra i encountered such beautiful practices and teachings to go beyond the dependency even of positive thinking um, so that we can really be free and for me that's the whole orientation of the spiritual path is to be in full acceptance of what is and not only in full acceptance of what is, if it's positive, but in full acceptance of what is, whatever the circumstances, being in the height of life or in the mud, 
that you still can be yeah in true full i don't want it to be any other way as it is and if you look back at your life what has been a truth for you that you wanted to communicate with someone else that was maybe painful but but you wanted to accept the truth for me that i wanted to communicate it was painful um, let me think what comes up is what's sometimes very painful for me if to, if i have to acknowledge that things i think i do for love are actually a subtle form of manipulation that i in friendship or in love life that i for example i was thinking about the word i love you or the phrase i love you in my relationship i sometimes felt it like i felt the words coming up i love you um but the feel the felt sense of it was not like an open extensive i love you and i give you all the space in the world but it was more like oh, i love you i need you and what i found difficult to communicate was that actually what i'm doing with uttering the phrase i love you is hoping that you will soften off and find me more attractive and so you come closer to me so what's really true there is that it's not i love you but in this moment i need you i need comforting i feel fragile and weak and can you hold me for a second so um yeah, that was one example from the recent recent past where I felt, hey, I would like to keep the phrase I love you clean and mm. and, and uh, not inflate it uh, or uh, what is it, deflate it and muddle it up by mixing or using it for other other needs. Mm. So I I recognize that I think in the past I've sometimes used it to keep kind of a situation as it is. To avoid maybe difficult conversation or to avoid trouble, mm. kind of mm. like, oh, I love you. And then we can kind of move on. Yeah, <laughs> I love you and I move on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, interesting. So, yeah, I love you. And um, instead of uh, I need you, yeah, I think I think that's a good, good example. And um, another question related to this topic of truth is I've noticed, or you, you have actually shared with me that... Um, during your your life sometimes you have maybe uh, departed from certain friends and, and welcomed new friends but you've made shifts uh, maybe more than some other people like how do you look back at this part mm. yeah i think what you're referring to is for example me quitting the student union or the fraternity i was in quite in a radical way um looking back on it i can feel my the pain i was experiencing that moment and also maybe even the panic like it was a certain moment where i realized like i'm surrounded by men and also women that they don't really see me and i don't really see them and we are just hanging out because we ended up together but is there true love and and appreciation and do we make each other grow and 
I felt like no, I'm I'm living in a story. I'm I'm live here with these friends because I I'm supposed to like them. And, but the difficulty was I was so stuck in that story that I for years I tried to from within sort of change it or to bend it towards something that was more nourishing for me. But I just couldn't. I was so entangled in untruthfulness that I couldn't feel myself anymore, my own path and my own truth. So at a certain moment, I had to sort of cut the cables quite clean to (gasps) take a breath and land in myself again. Um, That's when I went sailing for a couple of years to get let go of the Amsterdam student life and... um, and find find some sense of selfhood again. And I'm grateful that I did it, but it was also very painful. And uh, um, I think from my more mature point of view now, uh, I wouldn't have done it the same. Or now it doesn't have, I don't have to do it in this way. I can, in a more connecting way, say goodbye to somebody, to a lover or to a friend, or because it feels complete. And then also, yeah, make sure that there's this form of closure that feels healing and complete. So, so instead of radically leaving, it's more like consciously kind of closing and thanking. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, if possible, I, I would choose for that. Yeah, and I see myself choosing for that. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's um, on the one hand, I, I I feel it's a bit radical what what you've done in in this case. But on the other hand, I also admire it because sometimes when you make clear decisions, you you also open up for new opportunity instead of like accumulating so many people. Um, so do you also see it as a move that was necessary for you to evolve to the the version you are now? Definitely, yeah. And it was not something I deliberately choose. It was such just an inner urge, like I just have to get away here. I I, don't, I can't I can't stand it anymore. Um, so it was uh, it was that's something that came from from within. Yeah. So it was unavoidable in uh, in a way. Yeah. 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 me sometimes i um i let things evolve and then i see if people still reach out to me and sometimes it's also a two-way street right that if you let things uh i don't know the, the english word but if you let things be a bit and sometimes mm-hmm. it happens uh, automatically but yeah sometimes you need to take action i'm curious you're a tantra teacher and Tantra is also about relationships and you've been in, in multiple relationships in, in, in the past, but I think you're also in, in a current relationship. How do you apply your own Tantric experiences in day-to-day life with your partner? Mm. Um, interesting. And I look, I sort of, I'm attuning to our relationship in this moment and uh, yeah, I think that this the central word there is also truth. And 
and to I have one big commitment st stating like on my commitment list to, to her that I will be as truthful as I can be in each and every moment. And um, for me, after having looked in many different directions, that's the only thing that stays above the water or that stays stable. Like in the end of the day, that what keeps it all clean. And um, that's sometimes scary because that means I will have to say things that I think are harmful for her or for me. Or if I say this, I make it bigger. Um, yeah. So, for example, I had um, a couple of weeks ago a big fear of uh, her leaving me. And there was this really, really sticky thought in my head. Like, but if I say this, it will be like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if I say I'm afraid you will leave me, she might get inspired and, <laughs> and leave me. <laughs> so I better just you know sweep it under the rug and pretend it's not there that's like what the my old pattern uh, would say but then i really have to over and over again have, have to land in the experience of being received with it and um so it was very healing for me to be able to share that like actually i'm afraid that you will leave me um in this moment and for her then to be able to say uh, and feel like that's not really the case. I'm just angry or I feel some connect disconnectedness or some distance. Um, so yeah, the commitment to truth. Um, that's, that's a big, that's a biggie. And uh, that leads f by itself to seeing our relationship, not as like a safe haven to cover up each other's, um, defects but as a field of becoming more of what we already are to shine brighter and live more fully and learn about life and about each other and about ourselves and that commitment to truth that is kind of at a macro level what you want but at a micro level what type of exercises or practices for instance in tantra i learned uh, the sharing exercise which is very powerful uh, because I have to share what what's alive in me, and the other person has to share. Can you share a bit, like what exercises you do or practices? Yeah, yeah. So for me, nonviolent communication is is super key. It has um, like this is not coming from a tantric tradition, but it has a very uh, the, the philosophies behind it are very much aligned. So um, it's about owning your own need and owning your own perspective on reality and not making the other person responsible for preventing that you are hurt, for example. Um, so we do a lot of clearings, uh, we call them, uh, stating, hey, actually, I this is when you didn't text me back uh, in two days. I actually felt a lot of pain and loneliness and i was shrinking and shriveling in and i was afraid that you would leave me and that it was all over um, and um, my need is to feel a safety safety base so and that you will explicitly say so when that safety base is um getting uh in sight or when we're going under like a lower level that you will say so so that if i don't hear it that i can relax and in 
the knowing that we're still good. That would be a way of, in that way, I would, I'm owning my desires instead of, you're such a, uh, I don't know, you always disappear and uh, you're such an irresponsible um, girlfriend and uh, why don't you text me back and this is all ridiculous. Then I put it onto her. So we try to own our desires and our needs, um, which I think is a absolutely critical second part of the commitment to truth. Because you can commit to truth and just dump everything on your partner. Like, I think you're this and this and this, and I judge you for this and this and this and this. Um, and that doesn't really lead to healing relationships. That just leads to a lot of acting out. Um, so for me, commitment to truth has to be balanced with a commitment to owning my own shit as good as it ca I can. Um so they go, uh, they go together, and mm. one without the other gets a bit messy. So it's really about owning your own shit and communicating that in a, in a non-violent way, where you share your own stuff instead of like projecting it on the other. Um, I can imagine that's quite scary if you have to say like, "I'm afraid you will leave me." I would also think that that's kind of a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy. Uh, but is that? What deepens the relationship that you're always looking for more truth until you're kind of scared to, to share it? Um, well, the interesting experience for me was that I thought if I will say this, that I'm actually afraid that she will leave me. She will be like scared for me. It's like, oh, there we go. Codependency. Oh, Lord, no, run for the hills. We got to cut it now because you're such an immature, emotional wreck and I can't be in a relationship with you. That was the fear. What was actually, um, or and, and with me, like holding that off for, my, for myself, she was actually feeling a lot of distance because she couldn't feel me where I was. And I, and it was very logical because I didn't share anything about it. Um, so she felt the distance. And I felt like, oh, I've got to hold this and solve it all for myself, go to my man's circle, go to my therapist and work it all through. And then when I'm ready, step back into the relationship, which means it meant a lot of distance. Yeah, so you're showing your mature self by kind of holding it, communicating it instead yeah. of hiding. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that's not possible, right? Sometimes we are in our inner connecting from our inner wounded child and that's and it's not possible to, um, yeah, to 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 act from our mature selves, and that's for me something I'm learning. That I'm then also that I can own, mm. so I can say and be aware. Like I see myself being triggered as fuck. Um, I feel I'm completely like looking through the lens of my wounded child. So I'm no, I'm not really for rede vatbar. What's the English? <laughs> I don't know what it is in English. Um, so I'm not really responsible. Uh, like, you, like I know I will. I'm acting a little bit. I'm overreacting, but also that I can bring in, and then she can decide. Like, okay, I feel space for meeting your wounded inner child, or let's talk about today, tomorrow, or I rather have you talking about this with your therapist, and um, then, uh, yeah, yeah. There's one caveat that I would like to address here. Um, 
And that's the uh, addiction to processes in relationships. So, <laughs> and I'm guilty, guilty as charged. Um, what does that mean, addicted to processes? Um, well, for me, being kind of a seeker uh, and a poker and an investigator and having um, a longing for intimacy, but that's not something that comes absolutely nat natural for me or hasn't been natural for me always one way to feel some sort of closeness is to work to emotional stuff with my partner um, and for many years that was the best way of intimacy i had available so um, working to emotional processes and then having a fight and then having the release and coming together again that was like a circle i was running 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 um, and sometimes it's necessary to work through processes and sometimes it can lead to connect to connection um but for me it came sort of almost the go-to method of feeling closeness and uh that's something i'm learning that that there's other ways to feel close um and for me it was actually painful and a bit scary to see I have kind of a hard time to really, or I had to learn to really just land in the simple goodness of a relationship. Just, it's now it's just good. <laughs> it has been <laughs> good for weeks or months or years. Is that possible? So, because uh, for many years it hasn't, it hadn't been possible for me. So, accepting that it can also be good and not like overanalyzing, overprocessing. So, do you have ex partners or ex relationship that maybe? We're a bit fed up with all this tantric uh, processing. Yeah, I was in a relationship once where I was forbidden to uh, uh, set the timer with a bell. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off with your inquiries. <laughs> I can I can imagine because it can be, I mean, you call it an addiction, but it can also be something that you're really passionate about. Uh, same for me. I'm really uh, interested now in doing these inquiries and sharing. But if someone is not on the same page, then maybe it's not a good match. So um, many people, when they think about Tantra, they think about open relationships. I have never been in an open relationship myself, but I have been uh, reading a bit about it. So I read the book, The Ethical Slot. It was actually recommended uh, by another guest in the Soul Kitchen. And the book um, talks about that society celebrates monogamy and celebrates commitment for life and kind of uh, treats having sex with multiple people as a taboo. Um, and I'm also going to retreat uh, called ISTA, International School of Temple Arts, a community that also celebrates maybe openness in, in sexual relationships. Are you currently in an uh, open relationship? And what's your view on open relationships? Yeah. Um, I think it's great for people to be able to explore it uh, and to live it if that's that's their treat. Um, I'm currently in a monogamous relationship. Um, and what was interesting to see that in the first months of us getting together, first I thought, you know, let's be a little bit open. I can feel space for that. It's okay for me. The joy of seeing her enjoying that would satisfy me. So there is a part of me that 
for which that is true. I would really uh, enjoy that. But what I realized is that actually there's also another part in me. And that's a part that actually does feel jealous, hurt, insecure. Um, and what I came to notice is that many times I've... Um, let the first part, so the part that feels very open and very stable and secure, let that part define the boundaries, which sort of pressed my small boy, insecure boy, a little bit under the rug. And um, so what we, as a sort of an experiment, or as like, let's see how that goes, uh, tried out as something that we called radical monogamy, that to really, f for a couple of months, see like what if we have every sexual energy within the two of us so no practices with other people where we exchange uh, sexual energy no play with other people with uh, uh, with foods or with 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 touching to really create sort of the most safe <laughs> container that is possible and what was interesting for me to see that actually that part of me that feels insecure found the security to show itself a little bit more and um, what i also learned is that i manage this pain away i have been managing this pain away very often with openness to not feel this hurt i will have several contacts all around um, to not feel the fear of being lonely i will have several contacts all around um so for me it was very healing to have this period of really strict monogamy to also see what it does because my fear was also that i would uh, uh be very frustrated and i thought oh that's gonna be boring you know then i'm a tantra festival and there's only one girl i can be intimate with instead of like <laughs> going around as a butterfly but the surprising thing was it was the one of the most satisfying and fulfilling experiences that i had because there was such beauty in the devotion to one woman and one lady and really um feeling my love for that as well and also to see the effect in her that she was like poof blossoming in her coolness um in that relationship and and with that i stepping more into my king and, um, i'm not saying that it is impossible in an open relationship i just said say that for me and for us it really helped to for a period be in this super uh, monogamous setup so different phases of the relationship, you can have different kind of agreements with each other. Yes, for me, that feels very natural to, um, yeah, to grow also in it. But first, really feel like, how is it to be monogamous? And then from that space, grow maybe into more openness. But maybe we like monogamous and we stay for in that way forever and ever. <laughs> till death do us part. <laughs> And what's your idea on um, on a living uh, life? Let's say your physical uh, living situation, because I think you're going to live in a in a community. Yeah, that's something we're exploring. Mm. How does that look like? Yeah, so for me, um, uh, it feels a little bit strange to see that I am living in an apartment in port and that i like my basis is i live alone and i have to move to my friends uh, to be together and 
for me, what feels the most natural is that multiple families that sort of share certain values, um, they can grow up together and bring up kids together and help each other out with babysitting and little jobs on the house and the gardens and celebrate together. Um, for me, if what I see as a big cause of the... Um, yeah, the hunger for more stuff, for more travels, for more beautiful things, cars, jobs, careers, is actually a longing for home, for homecoming. And unsettledness in our state of mind that we try to fill up with, I don't know, going to Bali and do another retreat there and another thing there. Um, so I lived in... Uh, uh, on a farm in in the jungle for a couple of months in the Caribbean, and there I felt like I feel more fulfilled that I've been in than I've been in Amsterdam um, for years. Like I've been living in Amsterdam for ten years, and I was always on the hunt for the next big thing. And then for a couple of months on that farm, I felt like this is it. I don't need anything else. I'm just chopping down a coconut, and we are having. We make music around the campfire and we sing and we dance. And life for me in its simplest form is the most fulfilling. And um, what really helps with that is to live together in community for it. So that's something I'm uh, I'm keen to explore if that's really uh, possible and how that would work. And it's based. It's a nature-based community, right? Yeah. What, what are the what are the principles of the community? We're currently in that phase of getting to know each other deeper and figuring out what are actually the the principles of how do we want to live together. Um, I feel that's something that has to emerge from within the group. So we cannot, yeah, we can think about it and write up something that sounds nice on paper, but it really has to be born and it is being born as it is. So I think in a year from now, we, I can say a bit more about it. So it's still in uh, in the in the process. I think living in community can be uh, very inspiring, but it can also be challenging, right? Because mm. it, it can be pretty uh, intense. Yeah, I lived in a community in Costa Rica for six weeks, and I also already noticed how intense it can be because you're always interacting with each other and you can't escape each other. But I can imagine that it's also a very inspiring way to uh, to live. With this podcast, I always like to connect people uh, as well. So if people are listening uh, to this episode and they're curious to work with you or to join you on one of your adventures, maybe it's nice if you share a bit your current uh, offering or your current activities at a more practical level. So how can people work with this? With a community or with in general, my work? No, I actually meant more as a Tantra teacher. I know you're doing journeys in Norway. You're doing like couples days. Like what are you yeah. actually offering? So my main line of business is, is one-on-one therapy trajectories. Mm-hmm. Um, so from Monday to Friday, people come to my house and we dive into uh, the depth. The program is called Deeper. Um, and people come with questions like, hey, I am in a loving relationship um, but the sex has been dwindling for years. How are we going to do it? Or I keep having dysfunctional relationships. What's going on? Or I am running a company 
um, on the surface it's going very well, but actually I'm running around with a lot of fear and tension of and pressure to perform. So in this trajectory, we dive into, okay, what's the core wound that is actually driving all that dysfunctional behavior? And um, I work with a method called feeding your demons, which is a therapy method based on gestalt therapy. I don't know if you know it, but we feel in the body where you hold, for example, this anger or this fear. And then we ask your um, your subconscious mind to present an image from it. Like if this would be a being with arms and legs and how would it look? And that you place on a pillow in front of you. So you can dialogue with it. Why are you so angry? Why are you so afraid? Um, and then you can also ask, hey, what do you actually need? Maybe you are angry and you want to hit somebody in the face but what you actually need is safety or belonging um, so that's that's the work i do in my one-on-one uh, sessions i give couples workshops indeed for people who are interested how to deep their deepen their relationship um, and a major thing is uh, our trips to norway we go in the summer two weeks one for men only and one for men and women uh, into the woods where we do some in-depth shadow work and nature connection, but then in the wilderness. And I think the trips to Norway, they're called the hero's journey based on the work of uh, Joseph Campbell. Uh, What I like about the hero's journey in Joseph Campbell is that I feel in your life, you can uh, have this circle multiple times. Mm. For instance, I had it when I started my first business, I was really scared. But then when I, answer to the call for adventure suddenly people come to support you because they're also starting businesses and they refer you to investors and they say hey i heard you have a travel company i also know someone in the travel industry before you know it you're in a new field i feel with soul kitchen was also coming out into a new theme so i'm also now in this new hero's journey um but i would like to join your hero's journey but i want to attend a father-son retreat Mm. uh, because that's where the real magic happens, right? Because you can go go on retreats, but if you don't align it with your family, I don't know if you you integrate enough. So are you ready already uh, for a father-son retreat? I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, And I definitely, what you just shared, like, hey, I don't know the the phrasing, but, but... the real deal is where are you with your family? I think that counts for me too. Like when I f- can feel expensive and wide and loving, uh, yeah, with all m- nice people on the Tantra retreat, that's one. But how am I on Christmas evening? Um, and how am I holding, how I'm getting triggered? And how am I acting out my grudges or um, finding a nourishing way to bring them in? I think that's important. And um yeah, uh, father-son trips, I, I think, are amazing. Um, I don't think I would uh, bring my 30, what is it, 73-year-old dad to the Norwegian woods. I think that would be a bit a bit of a stretch for him physically. Um, so smaller ways of, of doing this would be great, yeah. So how would, what would you like about it? Um, I'd like to enter this space of, of Tantra and being in the present moment and share communicating my feelings with my dad because I feel I've practiced a lot, but sometimes when I'm at home, 
it's difficult to apply or there's a different space. And I feel it's important for me to um, yeah, to connect with my dad at a different level. Because sometimes we stay in the mind or we stay in the rationality. You're like, hey, how are you doing? How's it going with your business? So yeah. I like to enter uh, that yeah, space. Yeah. Why? Why? How would it nourish you? Yeah, I think uh, when I was 23, we did a train uh, ride together, a trans-Mongolian train from Amsterdam to Beijing, which which was already a fantastic experience. Wow, yeah. But I feel I'm discovering new parts of myself um, while doing this tantric work. And one of the topics that has come back, I've already shared it multiple times with you, but when I was one, uh, we had this car accident in which he lost his wife and I lost my mom. Mm -hmm. My mom was also pregnant at the time. So it was a big event for the family. And I'm really happy that he remarried and I have like a brother and sister from like the second marriage. But I feel that topic, it pops up more recently or the past years that I'm trying to, to see what role that plays in my life. And I feel in a retreat space, we can connect around such a topic. And of, co of course, we talk about it in, in normal life as well. But sometimes if, if other people hold this space, we're in nature, and you're with other father sons, you can really connect around it. Yeah. yeah. Um, How would it be for your dad? So would you I invite to it or also a bit uh, scared? I invited him to a breathwork session and he really uh, liked it. Uh, but the breathwork teacher uh, made an error in the agenda. So we couldn't go. It was supposed ah. to happen last week. Um, so I still want to do that. But I think my dad will be really open for it. But there could also be a bit of a reluctancy like, oh, but we already have a good relationship. Why do we need to do it? So there could be a bit. Yeah. Of a reluctancy yeah but that's i think why it's beautiful because it will probably deepen the relationship uh, but there's also a little bit of a reluctancy for me like oh why should we do that or uh, there's so many things to do in life so i think we can easily overstep it but that's i think why it's so beautiful yeah yeah i think it's a very delicate dance that you describe like where are you actually trying because something i realize in myself is that i'm sometimes still trying to make my dad into the man i always the father i always wanted and longed for to have so that while i think i'm bringing in my open desires what i'm actually doing is trying to manipulate him to fulfill my ideal image of a father um because when he is perfect i don't have to feel um my loneliness or my existential hole or something like that so that's something always that i try to be aware of when i do things with my father or my family like where am i really meeting them as they are with with showing what i think is nourishing or a meaningful time to spend a way to spend our time and where am I actually trying to fix them or to improve them so that they will fit my ideal? Um, and that's something that, uh, of course, brings a lot of tension in the relationship if you try to fix people or make them fit your ideal. That's not love in my experience. Yeah, that's a good point because for me, it will be a way of 
yeah, making him interested in this work. And at the same time, I feel it it could be a beautiful space to to connect. And I'll, yeah. I'll be curious to see what themes pop up. Yeah. So can I ask you a personal question? Yeah. How would it be if your dad wouldn't like what you do and doesn't feel so much interested? In? Mm. Yeah, it's 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 something that I would like to accept and embrace. And um, and I would need to, to to search more validation in me and, and stop trying to get the validation from my dad. Because um, sometimes I want, um, I'm still looking for the validation of my dad in, in this space I'm now working in. Mm. Um, so how would it be? Initially, there will be a bit of a disappointment, but there could also be an acceptance like, oh, we just have different interests. Yeah. Like he likes yeah. to play music. Um, yeah. 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 I think this is a beautiful insight that, that um, you can only make this, bring in this request to your dad in sort of a sense of freedom. Um, yeah, if you feel really in, hey, where where am I actually looking for validation? And uh, um, yeah, so it's beautiful to hear you about your awareness on that. Because how is it for you? Would you be interested in doing this with your dad or? or... Um, for me, currently not. I'm, as I feel what I'm, where I'm at with my dad is that I'm trying to meet him as he is and how he is. And that I, I, I see myself uh, applying a lot of subtle improvement plans. Um, <laughs> and like, hey, you should read this book or maybe you should this or do this. Um, in a way, hoping that he would then be able to meet me more. And I see it as my own work to do that first, to feel my longing for acknowledgement and, and belonging first and not, um, yeah, putting that into his basket of responsibilities. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting uh, topic. I also discussed it with other people that the longing for validation of or oh my parents don't really understand me it can it all comes back to you right or to myself like why do you mm -hmm. want them in the first place yeah yeah exactly and not to say that you that it is wrong to want to go on a retreat with your dad it's just what is it's an interesting topic what is all where is this desire coming from yeah yeah it might be it very often is a mix of both yeah and that's why tantra is so interesting right it always comes back to your to finding your true desires. That always comes back to you finding your true <laughs> desires. Yeah, that's true. So we yeah. talked a lot about many um, uh, topics already. If you look back at um, your tantric path and your teachings and all your experiences, because Soul Kitchen is also about sharing recipes for the listeners mm -hmm. for life. How would you summarize kind of your experience and what recipe would you like to share with the listener? Hmm. yeah for me there's only one path and that's the path of truth so 
my recipe would be can I be um, more truthful in this moment and uh, sometimes I use the phrase what do I what do I know to be true that I not yet dare to acknowledge what do I know to be true that I not yet dare to acknowledge um, but sometimes you just try to hide like some painful truths for ourselves and uh, I take that as out of a a compass a compass course um and that brings in many fields in love in relationships in work um brings out such more depth and connection and love so that would be my recipe for for life i think and if a listener wants to apply this truth in their own lives like how can someone practically start with this question i would say what do we know to be true yeah and um then also um look into the body with that so there's a mind understanding of what you know to be true but also what do i feel to be true and um can i in each moment connect to my body what's actually happening there? where am i contracting because sometimes with some people in some relationships you think you have a very good relationship but actually you feel your whole body is contracting um, so what do I feel to be true that I don't yet dare to acknowledge might also be a good one well thank you for sharing your uh, wisdom shorts it was a pleasure to reconnect I'm here man and um, thanks to everyone for listening I um, hope to see you soon again and um, have a great day bye bye